This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 70, recorded September 21st, 2011. You too go into the vineyard. Welcome to this week in Prayer Room Companion. I'm Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And uh, fall is, uh, well, by the time this, this is on the air, fall might be here. Um, weather-wise, Father, at least in Sioux Falls, we're certainly pretty much there today. Feeling rather fallish up here in Brookings as well. Yep. I'm playing chicken with our boiler, trying to decide when to turn it on. <laughs> so you haven't yet at all, even yeah. at night. Wow. Yeah, we switched over from the AC to heat. I hate that. I wish there was a longer middle ground when I don't have to use either. But yeah, be that that's as it may. That's what I'm shooting for right now. And so there we go. Bundle so, up in the chapel, kitties. <laughs> yeah. So Father, uh, Father and I were talking um, about a topic for this week, and, and, and we wanted to speak a little bit about, well, spend the podcast, frankly, on um, the, the gospel reading from this past Sunday. Um, this past Sunday, the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Um, Father, we're getting ever closer to the 34th Sunday and then the first Sunday of Advent after that, which I'm excited about this year, by the way. I'm um, very excited for the first Sunday of Advent. Yeah. Again, we're going to have to get through that tryptophan-induced comatose state, though, on Saturday and Sunday. Or the fact that you're all going to be at visiting parishes. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> so, so Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, the 25th Sunday, um, the 18th of September, um, Jesus, the, the reading is from Matthew chapter 20, and it's the, the, the parable of the... Um, the, the the vineyard, the landowner's vineyard, and, and and just to remind you where where the landowner goes out to the marketplace uh, at the beginning of the day, mid morning, midday, mid afternoon, at the end of the day, that hires workers and sends them sends them into this vineyard, and then at the end of the day, starts with the last and works to the first and gives them all the same because the yeah, Lord is gracious and merciful. Um, so in a nutshell, that's that's the uh, that was the reading Matthew twenty verses one through sixteen. If you want to look it up and get a uh, a more faithful version than I just give you a, a synopsis of. But Father, I know that you uh, well, of course, every priest I would imagine uh, spoke at least to some degree in their homilies about about this parable. Um, and I, I, my recollection is that you did as well. Uh, what were some of the points that you you wanted to make about or that you made? Um, about this parable and what it means in our lives. Well, I think there's a, a couple points from that parable. Is uh, first, just you know, to talk about what is the idea of justice. You know, because of course he says, you know, I, I promised you a wage is just, and I gave you a wage that is just, and just kind of a simple idea of the notion of justice, but also then how charity perfects justice, because we see that as well. How his mercy, his generosity, perfects it. Also, just looking at the question of who, uh, uh, what is the vineyard. You know, what is the place of labor? Uh, from that gospel passage, and finally, just what uh, uh, what can we say about the owner of the vineyard and who who that is in the parable of Christ? So, what did you say about justice? Can you elaborate on that out of curiosity? Yeah, just r real simple notion of the Catholic teaching of justice, uh, which also kind of the classical Greek notion of justice. Justice is what you owe to someone else. Um, which I think is kind of a different popular conception of justice than, uh, or different than the popular conception of justice we have around us, where we think today about justice as my rights, what do I deserve, um, what is owed to me, as and so really uh, 
justice is what I owe to you. Mm. So in the reading, um, the, 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 con- or the, the application, but they, the, the owner of the vineyard, the, the landowner, and, uh, and the, the workers who went out at the beginning of the day um, agreed on a wage. And they have no basis for a day's labor. So they have no basis to complain. I think this is, you know, I think some the other parable that comes to my mind, um, where you can sort of understand where they'd be coming from. The elder son in the parable of the uh, prodigal son. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, from a certain perspective, we, we can see why they would be upset. I mean, I've been working all day. You gave the guy who worked for an hour just as much as you gave me. I mean, that's not fair. My kids say that all the time. That's not fair. That's nothing <laughs> to do with fairness at all. Uh, and that, that's kind of the, I think, the answer here. This is, you and I agreed upon a day's wage. We, we agreed. I mean, don't, um, well, I not I, as, he, as he himself says, I didn't cheat you. And this is where I think we're at to go to the, the, the full deep, full depth of justice, that justice finds its perfection in charity then. And so he gives the day wage to someone who worked, you know, two thirds of the day, half the day, a third of the day, an hour of the day. He gives the full day's wage to those individuals as well. Uh, why? You know, because he's doing more than justice, and since he's giving them more than they deserve, but he never gave to anyone less than they deserve. Exactly. He never, he, as he as he says. Um, Am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? I think that's a real temptation for us in our spiritual life to, to be envious. You know, sometimes <laughs> um, the whole death, deathbed conversions, sometimes we think about those and sometimes we, that's not fair. And there's a whole, that opens up a whole conversation. What, what is, if, does that mean you see discipleship, being living the the a faithful Catholic life as as a burden, as drudgery, um, and so on. So where exactly <laughs> where where the 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 person who maybe lived a, a life of uh, of great sin and then converts sometimes can strike us as unfair. But but what does that say about us? They do they, they, they get to do all the good stuff and still go to heaven. Exactly. So, but step, but yeah, and that, that's why there's a whole uh, uh, onion that could be unwrapped there, so to speak, layer by layer. Um, but certainly, this the, the are you envious because I am generous? Um, we ought to, ought to rejoice um, at God's generosity and mercy towards those who have best death, deathbed conversions, or to the mercy that He gives. Or, and frankly, in one sense, this this parable, larger picture, we are we as Gentile Christians are the ones who are sent into the vineyard um, at, at, at the end of the day, at 5 o'clock. Very much so. So. so we have not so, been toiling since Abraham. Say that again? We have not been toiling since Abraham. Exactly, exactly. We, have, we didn't go out at the beginning of the day. So any, what else from this parable that you, uh, in terms of, of, of application to our spiritual life, that struck you, just maybe for your homily or... Well, I think the the whole idea of what is the vineyard, okay, you know, I think because uh, he starts out, you know, the kingdom of heaven can be likened to a landowner uh, who goes out to hire laborers for his vineyard. I believe is how the text starts, and you know, but I think our gut reaction is to think, oh, the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. Um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. Yep. 
yep. Yep. And so, and so, what is what is the vineyard? What is the place of harvest? And I think it's you know, it's it's good for us to go and look at other examples in Scripture to see, you know, what is the vineyard in this regard. So, what is the vineyard? Oh, you don't know? I I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the vineyard is uh, the world. Right. And this, uh, and well, the vineyard is the world. We're called to go out into the world to labor, uh, to uh, to work on the harvest. And I think definitely going back to, I believe it's in Matthew chapter nine, you know, where Jesus looks at the crowd and he's moved with pity them with them because they're like sheep without a shepherd, and he says, "Pray to the master of the harvest that he would send forth more laborers for his harvest, because the harvest is abundant and the laborers are few." Absolutely. Yep. And the things that um, the uh, and, and what we're going to come back to this verse later, the verse that's stuck um, in my mind, in my heart this week from from the gospel reading, uh, from the middle of the reading. Again, those at the end of the day going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too go into my vineyard. So, uh, why do you stand here idle all day? You too go into my vineyard. And 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 um, just today, actually, I was reflecting on. He doesn't say go into the vineyard. It says go into my vineyard. Um, the world is Christ's. Um, you know that the, there's a there's a recognition there, or a, 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 um, not a recognition. Um, Jesus is reminding us. It's his vineyard. I mean, we're working in his. It, it, we're not going out uh, into. Um, enemy territory in the final sense. I mean, in one sense we can say that, but in the end, this is still his vineyard. And I, and I'm frankly, for me, I'm still. I know there's something there that I need to unpack, but there's a sense of uh, consolation, of of security, a sense of security. I'm th- that that we are being sent into um, his vineyard to work. Something about that gives me a sense of, of security. Well, it should. It should because I think there's because exactly because there is the temptation to insecurity, and I think that becomes the excuse of why we don't go out. It's it's scary. I mean, I just right. noticed even um, walking around on campus. I was talking with uh, one of my focus missionaries who's you know paid to preach the gospel to college students, and uh, you know one of the things he's done is organized a, a intramural team and just some different sports just to meet new people and get involved and stuff. And uh, they were playing a flag uh, football game the other night in the Amarillo Leagues against you know, another team that wasn't a very Christian team. But he's like, you know, I really should have invited them to pray, but I was scared. Mm-hmm. So, right, right, yeah. I think the other thing with this, too, is, you know, um, we think that sometimes maybe our own sins, our own weakness, our own tardiness of entering into the vineyard uh, in some ways disqualifies us from that labor. Right. You, know, you think about the idleness of those who stood there all the day. Right. Um, you know. It, do, it, it doesn't. It, Jesus, it, the landowner says, you two go into my vineyard. Why are you standing here? Yeah, it's, it's, what are you doing? Well, it's like, well, too bad. I'm not going to hire you now. It's 5 o'clock, for goodness sake. It's still, no, you two go into yeah. my vineyard. Yeah. You fools! <laughs> the uh, I think that, uh, I was actually kind of struck by it today um, by the you know 
Matthew himself provides us the example. You know, Saint Matthew, Saint Matthew's Gospel reading from, but Matthew in his own life provides us the example. Today, yeah. September twenty first is the feast of Saint Matthew. Right. And the gospel for today is the story of his calling. Yeah. Uh, and the Lord calls him while he's in the midst of uh, working as a tax collector, which is, I mean, again, understanding the historic roots of the sinfulness of tax collecting. It's not that I don't like to give up my money. In fact, in my homily, I even talked about how taxes are a matter of justice. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of justice that you pay your taxes mm-hmm. uh, in a reasonable sense. Um, but how this tax collector, he's, he's a sign of that foreign oppression over Israel, a sign of the fact that God has not uh, delivered Israel from their oppressors, that God has not saved Israel from the Romans, because he's a foreign tax collector in that way. Uh, and so um, God calls him out of that sin. And what do we see immediately happening? Jesus is then eating with other tax collectors and sinners. Right. You know, Matthew gathers his friends you know, around him and says, hey, come see this Jesus whom I have found. You know? Right. You know, the thing that strikes me about um, that, that, that uh, gospel passage, Jesus said to Matthew, he said to him, follow me. And, and the next verse, and he got up and followed him. And the immediacy, talk about not being idle. I mean, the immediacy, which, the immediacy with which Matthew responds to Jesus' invitation, to, frankly, Jesus' command. <laughs> um, he, he responds right away to our Lord's call. And so from that very much relates to this parable from Sunday um, with the idleness about how we are called um, in every day, every moment, to respond with immediacy to our Lord's invitation to work in His vineyard, His vineyard again. Right, and that, that you know, it's it's just too because you can make the spiritual application to uh, to laziness, um, which I think is in some ways laziness is a great cause of sin mm. uh, in individual spiritual lives it's also a uh, the great temptation against the gospel is that laziness that self-indulgence to to rely on myself to seek myself and my own needs as opposed to taking part in the mission that god calls everyone to right and, you know the irony is we're we're, we're lazy and yet we still desire to be in control we, we're refusing to acknowledge the fact that we're completely dependent upon the Father for everything. We're trying to assert our independence, so to speak, from God. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do what I want on my own time, in my own way. Right. Which, of course, then it goes also back to that pride of the garden, you know, to judge right and wrong for yourself. Absolutely. Um, you know, you up, uh, the interesting connection then with this gospel passage, I think, and, and the mission of all the faithful yep. in uh, a uh, papal document called... Uh, Christe, Christi Fidelis Laici. Yes. Did I get that right? Laici. 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 Yep. Laici. Is that Italian or uh, it's Latin? It's Latin. Latin. You sure? It's Latin. Yep. Sounds kind of Italian to me. I, I know you, it does. I think you're Italian. Uh, uh, anyways, on the, 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 the Christian faithful, the lay Christian faithful uh, is the name of this document. This was after a synod, a world gathering of bishops back in 1987, 1988. Um, and then... Uh, after each world gathering of bishops, uh, oh, it's not the whole world, but it's a large gathering, the representative gathering of bishops throughout the world. And they talked about the purpose and the mission of uh, the lay Christian faithful. This right. It's a document that, from that written to anyone in the world. To read. Yep. 
Absolutely. And that's, yeah, this is one of my favorite documents from the uh, Pontific- Pontificate of Blessed John Paul II. Um, and he does, he, he, he uses, as, as I told Father, I, um, whenever I read the parable of Matthew, I often think of this, this post-synodal apostolic exhortation of JP2 because he begins, uh, as he does uh, many of his documents, um, Father, I'm, I know that you've noticed this. Um, he begins many of his documents by a scriptural meditation or a, med- a reflection or meditation on some passage from scripture. So the theology of the body began with a reflection. Began with a reflection um, on on uh, the, the beginning of the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, included the Beatitudes. Actually, uh, doesn't it begin on Matthew nineteen. I don't think so. I think that comes later, but you might be right. Actually, it might be what was not so, and then he goes to the beginning. You're right. So maybe yeah, you're right. So it begins there, but but even it's the point is that's a reflection on scripture. On Um, scripture, it is. It is. Well, I'm sorry. That was uh, my apologies to you, uh, Doctor Bergwald, for uh, imposing upon your uh, your commentary. (laughs) That's that's just fine, Father. I, I know whenever I speak about Scripture, you get excited and want to, uh, you know, talk over Make me. Make it accurate. So, yeah, oh, something like that. Uh, so, so anyway, with, with this exhortation, um, he begins with reflection on the parable of the landowner um, and who hired laborers for his vineyard. And he makes a point which, which I um, and you and many others um, often make that, the the workers in the vineyard are not just priests and religious. We are all called. We are all sent into the vineyard, which, as you were saying, is the world in which we live. And in fact, the laity, the lay faithful, um, have a special responsibility to bring Christ, to be Christ in the world, uh, in in, uh, in in that way. Um, yeah, well, and, and because the, the lay the lay faithful, um, Joe Bag of Donuts, um, you know, uh, Joe Joe Punch Clock, uh, Sally the Second Grade Teacher, you know, you you have access to people and to places and to uh, things that I don't have access to as a priest that Dr. Bergwald doesn't have access to as absolutely. a professional church employee. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that I mean, just numerically, there are more lay faithful who, excluding people like me, lay, those lay ministers in the church, um, than there are lay ministers and certainly religious and priests uh, as well. I'm mean, just numerically, um, there are more people living uh, in the world who are lay than otherwise. So, so just from that perspective. But yeah, it's JP two um, in this exhortation. Uh, makes a couple points um, from from the, the parable. You go to, he says, the call is a concern not only of pastors, clergy, and men and women religious. The call is addressed to everyone, lay people as well. This is an article, too, if somebody wants to look it up. Uh, you can find this online for free. Uh, lay people are as well are called... Per- are personally called by the Lord from whom they receive a mission on behalf of the church and the world. Um... And he talks about how Vatican II repeated this. Uh, you too go into my vineyard. Again, the, just the, the reality that we are all called to go into the Lord's vineyard. I, I love the, uh, the quote that he includes uh, from Pope St. Gregory the Great. Um, you know, he talks about, you know, 
Keep watch over your manner of life, dear people, and make sure that you are indeed the Lord's laborers. You know, in the um, I in 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 giving that homily, I remember the comment of a, a bishop I knew. I I think he I believe he's still alive. He was an auxiliary from Joliet, Illinois, Bishop Roger Caffer. He would always say, "What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake?" Yeah, um, that's uh, a great line. The, the, it is, you know, what are you doing on earth for the sake of the kingdom of heaven? You know, and that's and that's a call for everyone. Right, right, that we're all called to. And in particular, and then go, going back to, to the text of the exhortation, um, the next article, Article 3, um, he takes up that, that, uh, that question which the landowner says to those at the end of the day, at, um, at the 11th hour, at 5 o'clock, that really is sticking with me. Why do you stand here idle all day? Uh, in Article 3, um, uh, John Paul II wrote, A new state of affairs today, both in the church and in social, economic, political, and cultural life, calls with a particular urgency for the action of the lay faithful. If lack of commitment is always unacceptable, the present time renders it even more so. It is not permissible for anyone to remain idle. It is not permissible. I know a priest who tweeted that line last night. Really? On his Twitter account, yes. I know a there priest who tweeted that on his Twitter account last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, do I don't know who that is. <laughs> who could that be? Let's take him out anonymity. We'll call him Father A. Okay, that uh, that's, that's much too obvious. How about <laughs> F and uh, something like that? Um, that just I, in our day and age. All of us are called, as he says, it's, it's always the case, but in particular in our day and age, um, a lack of commitment is, is particularly unacceptable. It's not permissible for anyone to remain idle. Um, and, and, and I don't know, I, that really excites me, for lack of a better word right now, uh, because it's, it's a call to arms, so to speak, but also a challenge to me, because you know it's easy to... to Find yourself being idle, not to set out necessarily to be idle. Maybe you go to the marketplace, you're intending to find a job, but hey, it's easier to hang out and sip a cappuccino out to uh, put an anachronism and move it from the Holy Land to, to Rome maybe. But, you know, to, to do nothing instead of working. But there's a lot of work to be done, and we are all called as disciples of Christ, whatever our state in life, we are all called to work in the vineyard, particularly in our own time. There is no excuse in that sense. Now, I mean, but I think to that, then we also need some balm. We need something to soften that because in a certain way that uh, there is no excuse, there is no reason for you to be idle. That's hard because that strikes against my own human weakness, my own human sinfulness. Uh, I want to be idle in some way um, and uh, because of my own weakness or I want to hide. Uh, because of that weakness and that shame and that sin. And so we need a balm, we need something to ease uh, that desire to hide. And what is that balm then? Uh, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think, you know, if you go to the seventh article of, of that document, this is what I was getting to a bit in um, my homily as well. Although, mind you, I'd never read uh, Crucifidalis Lietti. Uh, until uh, until last night. I have no idea how I'm pronouncing the last word. That's fine. Um, when in doubt, just kind of do it before. Amen. And, uh, 
Amen. Because that is the And he um, says, uh, in Article 7, though, of the document, you know, it talks about that weakness, you know, um, the, the adverse situations of our world today affect the church. They in part condition the church, but they do not crush her or even less overcome her because the Holy Spirit who gives her life sustains her in her mission. And going on, and despite every difficulty, delay, contradiction caused by the limits of human nature, by sin and by the evil one. Right? So we experience these in many ways. And so you know, even if you yourself were delayed going out into the vineyard, in some way, you know, you've been with your coworkers for 20 years in a job, and you never once have mentioned your Catholic faith or Jesus Christ to them. Don't let that delay be the reason for you not to do it now. Right. You know, the church knows that all the forces that humanity employs for community participation find a full response in Jesus Christ. And so that Christ will make perfect those efforts. And that's part of the hope of the Christian faith. Amen. And that, just going on a couple of paragraphs from there, despite all this, all the difficulties were so on, uh, humanity is able to hope, indeed it must hope, the living and personal gospel, Jesus Christ himself, is the good news and the bearer of joy that the church announces each day and to whom the church bears testimony before all people. You know, I think sometimes, you know, the, the imagery of the parable vineyard, I mean, just working in a vineyard sounds burdensome. Um, you know, I, I would imagine there's a, there's pruning of branches and, you know, picking that up and cleaning and keeping everything, watering and, da, 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 you know, and, and, and it doesn't, unless you are, a, you have a big green thumb or something, uh, it doesn't necessarily sound enticing, but we have to remember the nature of, of, of working in the vineyard is to announce and bear testimony to Jesus Christ, who is the good news, who is the bearer of joy. Uh, so it, it, the, the work in the vineyard is a joyful work. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, our Lord says elsewhere in the gospel. So, and, that, and, and, that, and that requires those, those eyes of, of hope. Absolutely. Right, right, right. Anything else from um, CL? That's what you do, Father, just abbreviate it. Anything else from CL that uh, struck you? Uh, that we have a few minutes here um, as, before we wrap up. Huh? You know, I think uh, I really would like to dive into a little more sometime um, just on the, the whole notion of the identity. Um, you know, it, it goes through and gives the identity of what it means to be the lay faithful. Um, you know, and uh, uh, you know, talking about uh, you know, baptism, being children in, being children of the Father in Jesus Christ, uh, being temples of the Holy Spirit. Of uh, and so it's just a very beautiful theology of what it means to be baptized Christian, right? Uh, right. And so, uh, and what that means to be out in the midst of the world. And uh, honestly, I'm finding this document in a certain sense to be the answer to some prayers, good, uh, some projects I'm doing here at the Newman Center. Actually, that's that's uh, fantastic. For a, a spring re- fantastic, both for a uh, uh, spring retreat and also for. Um, some work with some faculty and staff. You know, to the point of identity there, I, um, I do think this is one of the reasons I really like this, this text. So often, if you said, so, okay, so what's a, lay, what's a lay person? What's a layman um, in, in, the, in, the, in the context of the church? Uh, you get a negative answer. Well, somebody who's not a priest, somebody who's not a deacon. Okay, 
but positively, what is a lay what is a lay person? What does it mean to be a member of Christ uh, a lay member of Christ's faithful people? The name of the document. And he I does. like I like to use the definition of Pope Pius the Twelfth given in this document, which, which I just is, learned about. Yes, yes. Uh, the the lay faithful are those on the front lines of the church's life. What article? Yeah, I'm, I'm near there. What article are you in? Out of curiosity, do you do you have it? Article handy? nine. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Article nine, fourth paragraph down. Right. See, I have Don't... electronic copies. So I just went Control F X I I. X I I. There we go. For those who lives in the yeah, and later, I think it's later in this 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 chapter. Um, uh, yeah, in Article fifteen. Uh, JP2 talks about the lay faithful and their secular character, which is what I was referring to earlier on, how um, uh, the, the proper place for the lay faithful to engage in the apostolate, to work in the vineyard, is in the world, the, the secular in that positive sense of of the world, so to speak. So anyway, yeah, it is a... Go ahead. Sorry, trip down amnesia lane, but I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. So it is. It is a great document that uh, that I would uh, others uh, maybe like Father. If you haven't read this before, certainly it's worth. Uh, maybe we're coming up to Advent here again, as we mentioned. It might be a, a, a good text to uh, to reflect on this coming to Advent, particularly if you are um, uh, a layman. So, Father, anything else about this parable or or the document or your homily that you wanna you wanna share before we sign off? Father froze, uh, which is good because we're at the end of the podcast. So, <laughs> so without with that, uh, I'll take that as a sign, uh, faithful listener. If you survived with this this long, um, that's prayer room companion for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks and God bless.